Greetings to all of God's people. This is again Mordecai Joseph. Last time we left with the concept of uh, of the covenant. And also we're going to talk a little bit about a subject that I think will be of interest to my kinsmen, the people of Judah who are listening to it. And I believe that we are now in lesson, uh, I believe, 31. Lesson 31. Go to, we're now in Genesis 18. We're speaking about the covenant that was given to Abraham as it unfolds, God gives you more and more information. And uh, before we come to uh, the scripture, I want to read uh, for the sake of those who have a different uh, knowledge and understanding about what is called today uh, the laws of uh, kashrut, that is, what is what is to be eaten, what is not, and in specific, uh, the mixing of the meat and milk, which is not kosher in the Jewish community. And again, that did not come from the Bible, that came from, uh, unfortunately, uh, Later on concepts that were invented in the minds of people, but not in the mind of God. A misunderstanding, consequently, of what God was saying through Moses, and in specific here, he made it very plain, through Abraham. And so when, uh, when God, later, uh, last time we were talking about the concept of entertaining angels, and when God shows up to dinner, in the case of Abraham, and he'd done it several times, later on, as we should read, uh, that means you can go through the Bible, find out many other cases. Uh, anyway, in this case, God came with the two angels to Abraham. He had dinner with him. And Abraham, being a hospitable person, knowing who God is, having a close, intimate, I mean, intimate relationship with him, he is inviting him to dinner. And uh, maybe he had done it before that. I don't think it's uh, uh, something that was unique at this point, because the way he talked and the way he did it seemed to be like uh, maybe it was a common thing for him to do. And so he did it. At least... Uh, that's speculation, that if he did it, he'd done it once, maybe he'd done it before that. And maybe he'd done it some other times after that. And God didn't see it very strange. He was invited to dinner, he came and ate. Now, when Abraham uh, invited them and they accepted the invitation, that is God, and he told him, uh, verse 3, chapter 18, and said, My Lord, if I have not found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please, let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. Later on, you are going to see these very things are done by the people who knew who Christ really was. The same one that now appeared before Abraham and ate dinner with him. And so you can see the food washing ceremony continues. It's an old thing. In other words, that's, that's what uh, Christ was, in essence, telling people. You've got to be hospitable to people. Love them. Don't hate them. And uh, be willing to wash... Uh, strangers' uh, feet, and how much more? Well, he didn't have to tell them that about God. Obviously, every one of them would have been glad to do it, or an angel. But uh, you see the concept there. Uh, whenever people come to you, be willing to wash their feet. It's not that he said, well, from now on, let's make a memorial service once a year. You do it. That's foolishness. This is what man has invented. God didn't invent that. God made it very plain. And he's always done that. But you be hospitable to people. Love your neighbor as yourself. And people get dirty in your feet all the time, not just only once a year. You see? So the attitude was there. That's what he was talking about to his disciples. Don't think that you're too great in your own sight. And, you know, you argue about who is the greatest. You know, in the book of Luke, you read that account in specific during the last uh, supper. He's telling them, be hospitable, be willing to wash somebody else's feet. And not only as a memorial, you know, which is a put on for many people. They really don't mean it. Because after that, they go on and do their own thing anyway. A lot of people kill each other, you know, after they, 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 
after the Judah foot washing, and you see even nations go to war, they all call themselves Christians. It's a meaningless ceremony for them, just a ritual. That's not what God had in mind. He made it very plain. Just like as I am, you see me do that, you do too. Not only once a year, you do it. Whenever there is a need for it. And so that's basically what Abraham is doing. By nature, he was hospitable, you see. And uh, he was hospitable to him. And uh, Abraham was of that nature that, as you read later on, when Christ said, when he gathers all, uh, all the people around him, he said, well, I was hungry, you fed me. I was sick and you visited me. And you might say, also, you know, I needed my, my feet to be washed when I came to visit you, and you did it. You know, you weren't too arrogant about it. You didn't tell me, you told me, well, you go to the servants' quarters and do it. In other words, this is an attitude that God is talking about and later on Christ in person, who is now allowing Abraham to do it for him, later on did it to the descendants of Abraham. And that's the, uh, the kind of a God he is. And later on he said, when in the kingdom we are all going to be sitting together, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to serve you. You see, we are a family. And that's what he's talking here. Uh, this is what the concept he's trying to, uh, to uh, record for us. So Abraham says, please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And, that's not the end of it, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your, your hearts. Uh, and refresh again, the same word that you're reading about the Sabbath, you know. Uh, you don't work on the Sabbath so that you may refresh yourself. And God ceased in Ten Commandments about the Sabbath. God ceased from his work and he was refreshed. It's not that he got tired, but he was going to be refreshed. Refreshment you bring is not because people are dead tired. It's, it's a different purpose. And people misunderstand the, per, the Sabbath because of that, what it really means. It's not that they go to sleep all day and do nothing. But you're refreshing yourself with all the goodies that you prepared for the Sabbath and uh, by singing to God, praising God and all that. Anyway, it's a different subject. But... You see what he tells him? Inasmuch as you come to your servant, they said, you know, now all of them are saying to angels and God, do as you have said. It's okay. Uh, so Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. Some women say, don't ever bring guests to my home unless you tell me in advance. Otherwise, I'm not ready. Well, Sarah gave us an example. That when the husband... Uh, sometimes, maybe the wife does it uh, some other times uh, under different circumstances. Bring guests over, be hospitable. Don't complain, don't be grudging, give them what you have. You know, uh, you don't have to make a big deal out of it. But some people are not being hospitable uh, in heart, genuinely. And they make a big deal out of it, and especially, unfortunately, many many wives do that to their husbands. And of course, husbands should be considered also. There are circumstances where the wife cannot be prepared already and is doing something else. So it goes both ways. Anyway, we're talking about hospitality here in part of Abraham, and Abraham ran himself. He didn't do, you know, he didn't just uh, make Sarah do everything. He ran to the herd. Today, you run to the supermarket. When I ask your wife to cook something for dinner that just came, well, at least be willing to do something to help along. And everybody's happy. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, and gave it to the young man. Now, uh, Middle Eastern mentality and uh, a lot of imagination enters into the mind of some rabbis, you know, the 1,000 night uh, concept, uh, hallucination of many stories, and they make it a truth. They say, aha, Abraham actually got three of them. He got, uh, he took a tender and good and then calf. In other words, he got three of them. Well, that's a stupid concept, unfortunately, for people who uh, don't have much wisdom as they should. As God said in Isaiah 29, you know, the wisdom of uh, these people shall perish, the wisdom of the wise. 
Because when people reject God, they begin to invent all kind of foolishness, and they become a part of Babylon. That's confusion. And God says, come out of it. Anyway, I'm just throwing it in, because that's a part, unfortunately, of uh, traditions that people grow up with, and I grew up with that stuff, until uh, I began to question. And then it says, and he took this uh, calf, you know, that was tender and good, and he's young and tender, and that's what you give to your, to your guests, you don't give them an old goat. And he gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So you see an involvement, Abraham, Sarah, the young men, servants, and all that, you know, because they're, they're all household of Abraham, men of the faith, you know, body of witnesses, they're all righteous people, remember, they're all circumcised, they all can come before God. So you find Abraham, you find Sarah, and you find one of his servants, who was not his son, but one of the servants, an Aramean, that he picked up, you know, from uh, his old uh, uh, home. And they're all before God. They're all eating before God. And then when you go into the, the into the story of the nation of Israel, Leviticus tells you about all those things. And Exodus begins that. And you go into the temple. God commanded that his people come, bring good food and wine and, and honey and the best of uh, wheat and flour and all those things and sit before God and eat before God and he spiritually is eating with them. So, it's not a new concept. It's an old thing. See? The head of the family wants to eat with his family. What's more natural than that? And the head of the family here is God. And so he won't save that relationship with all of us, but we in our foolishness have rejected his presence. And so he doesn't come to us as, as he'd like to. And so that's what he did. He broke the, the, ten, the tender and good calf and gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. And so he took butter and milk and the calf, Horror of horrors, you know, it's a Jewish diet, religious Jewish diet. He never mixed meat and milk. He had two separate dishes. Where did it come from? Babylon. Not from God. Here is the father of the faithful. The most righteous man in the Jewish community, in the community of Israel. This is the example that he gave us. And God ate it. Didn't say, Abraham, what do you do? Don't you know the Jewish halakha? You're not supposed to do that? You see what people get into when they depart from God? And the thing that is truth, and the claim that is truth, and the misunderstand scripture later on, where God says, don't see the kid in his mother's milk. And I say, aha, you see, no meat and, and, and milk together. All he was saying is, as long as a kid, as long as a lamb or a goat is young, be merciful, be compassionate, let him nurse. Until he's nursed and, and finished and mature enough. Until the mother, you know, is recuperating from that process. You know, don't bring that bond between them and just sacrifice which was the manner of the, of the Gentiles at the time, the pagans. They would take the lamb, you know, when it was a few days old and sacrifice it to their God and eat it because it was pretty tender. God says, don't be like that. You know, have mercy have compassion. That's all he was saying. And so they invented a new doctrine. And it was not Moses. And it was not the prophets. And it was not Ezra and Nehemiah. It was the rabbis. Shortly before the time of Christ, around that time, that invented that. And so people follow it as if it is Law from Sinai, and they even have the, uh, you know, they go that far as saying that all those things that the rabbis came up with actually was given to Moses by God Himself, which is not true. That Babylon is thinking, unfortunately, and God says to all of His people, "You all come out of Babylon because you are all in it. Even those of you who think that you are righteous and you keep the law, God is not a respecter of person." So Abraham, the father of the faithful, he took the butter and the milk and the calf. 
and that he had prepared, and he set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. And it's not as another doctrine came about. Well, uh, they say well, you can eat you can eat dairy products, and uh, shortly after that you can eat meat, but maybe the other way around. I mean, you know, all these foolish things that people invent. God never said that. Now, if you want, that's what Ladroni says. These people, like in Isaiah 29, I believe, he says, these people worship me in vain. They're teaching for doctrines, for their own teachings, what they call the Torah, Halakha, doctrines of men. He says, you're doing it all in vain. I didn't ask it. I didn't recommend it. I didn't command you to do it. As Moses said, don't add, don't diminish. So, all of us have to be purified from whatever ignorance is in our minds, which makes us Babylonians. And not children of the true church of God. The body of witnesses that have the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's what God is saying to all of us. That's why the trouble of Jacob is coming upon all of Jacob, including the righteous, who are going to be affected by it to a degree. So, God can totally purify us. As you read in Daniel, last chapter, you know, God is going to totally purify us from everything that is in us that's still of Babylon. And he's going to finish the process of coming out of Babylon. Anyway, we continue the scriptures here in the covenant. We're in chapter uh, 18, verses 17 and 19. Let's see if we read this one. 17 and 19. And God is saying here to Abraham, verse 17, after he ate, on the way to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm, what I'm doing? I mean, he's my friend. How can I keep things from him? No secrets between us. Since why? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. I mean, look at that awesome future that this man has, and the kind of a person that he is, and I love him so much, and he's my friend. Why am I hiding things from him? So, you know, God is speaking to himself, so to speak, here, and then Moses is recording it. And uh, verse 19, For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way, the way of the Lord. Remember, we mentioned earlier the new religion calling himself Christianity. God calls his religion the way. That's the name of his religion, the way. And all the disciples of Christ call that religion the way. It wasn't a new way, it was the way. That was the faith of Abraham. And that's what God is saying here. And that's what David is saying, you know, so on. Blessed are those who walk in the way. Not in Christianity, or in Judaism, or any other religion, but in the way of God. That's what God is talking about here. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. Not only for himself, that they keep the way, they, all of them, all the Lord to do righteousness, which only the law can tell you what it is, and justice, which only the law of God can tell you what it is, the entirety of the law of God, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. What a high compliment. And we want to be complimented that way, and we will if we walk like Abraham in the way. And the Lord said, because the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, well, this is a different story, we want to skip that one, 17 to 19, we want to cover here in terms of the covenant. And so we're going to continue to uh, chapter 21 and verse 12, where God continues 
to speak to his good friend, intimate friend, Father Abraham, Father of the Faithful. Or as we call him in the Jewish community, our Father Abraham, because he's our Father. In chapter 21, verse 12, uh, this is what we read. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. In other words, Abraham and Sarah thought, well, God made all these promises. He's going to make us father and mother of many nations. And, you know, we're getting older. Nothing is happening. So maybe, well, the human instinct gets into the action and people begin to think for themselves instead of waiting on God. And there was a momentary uh, blind spot there on the part of both of them. And I thought, well, uh, Sarah said, well, you know the custom, you know the law that uh, we've been raised with. That is a Babylonish law. If a woman doesn't give, uh, which wasn't too bad uh, to, uh, when you think about it, uh, nothing too, too wrong about it in one way. If, if a woman cannot bear children, uh, that's a problem. So it's her responsibility to bring, you know, uh, children to her husband. So the custom was, well, if you can't bear one, uh, get your husband another wife. And so there is no need for adultery, and uh, you solve the problem of uh, being childless. And so Sarah said, well, here's my handmaid. You go to her and have a child, and uh, maybe God will bless it. Instead of going to God and says, God, <laughs> you promised. Uh, when? And all that. And get the answer from him. And, uh, well, this is the way it turned, because God allowed, and God will always allow human input into what we are doing, and through it, Whatever we're doing, he's going to teach us a lot of lessons. And Abraham needed to learn a lot of lessons. And not that everything was bad. It was a lot of good. After all, he had Ishmael. From Ishmael came, uh, uh, God blessed Ishmael abundantly. He even gave, gave him a name. He dealt with him personally and spoke to his mother. He called him Ishmael. God will hear. So God heard him and he blessed him. You can see, so it was all bad. And from that, Ishmael came uh, descendants and awful lot of descendants. To Abraham, that's a part of the covenant anyway, to make him a father of many nations. So, we should not think that that was an evil thing that Abraham did. It's just, uh, this is not what God had in mind in terms of giving him a son out of his own body. He meant also out of the body of Sarah, which he already told him earlier. And somehow the two of them forgot that. And so, uh, Abraham uh, didn't want to do what Sarah wanted, what she said, well, get rid of him. You know, he's giving us a hard time, he's persecuting my child. And, he, you know, he, he loved him, so he was not about to, you know, he wasn't too inclined to do it. But God said to Abraham, God settled the matter. Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. You see, some rabbi I heard not too long ago, he was giving a marriage counsel to some people. Well, of course, he was a little bit joking that way also. He said, look. If you want to have peace in your home, just do what Abraham did. You listen to your wife. And everybody lives in peace. That sounds cute. But anyway, sometimes we should do it. Because sometimes they know better. And uh, we shouldn't be too proud. Uh, and be too, you know, too arrogant about it. And whoever has uh, wisdom, let him speak. A woman or a man. Doesn't make any difference or even a little child. Humble people, listen. Foolish and arrogant. Mighty and exalted in their own eyes, don't. So, I listen to the wise. And so God says to Abraham, listen to her, whatever she tells you. Listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called, not in Ishmael. And so that was very important. God was making a point there. Now we're going to separate 
uh, Ishmael, no Eliezer, no Ishmael later on, no Edom. And so God is called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael, or Jacob and Edom. See? That's what he means. You only have I chosen. And so, his very name, among others, is the name of the people that he had chosen to make it very plain. You are my witnesses, nobody else. And the few that I graft to be among you is a part of the household of Israel. But it never meant all the nations of the earth. All of them will be children, not a part of the wife, or part of the bride. Just children of the bride. And those are two different things. After all, a man marries his wife, he doesn't marry his children. And it's a unique relationship, and that's the way God kept it. And so, in Isaac shall all of your children be called. You know, later on, the terminology changes, language is developed. Isaac, Isaac's son, Saxon, you know, Anglo-Saxon, this Saxon, that Saxon. Well, ironically, the Jews are also Saxons, only they don't know it. That means children of Isaac. And for that matter, also, all the Edomites. That were twin brother, you know, Jacob, uh, yeah, Jacob that came from Isaac and from Rebekah. They two are Saxons, sons of Isaac. So people don't think about it today, they're the Spanish people. All the people of Iraq, some of them are Arabs, some of them are Italians, that came and went to Rome, some of them are in southern France, a lot of them are in Spain, Spanish America, they're all Saxons. And uh, in the future we're going to have a lot of surprises when God reveals to everyone who the, he really is. And that's basically what we see here. God says, no, Isaac is going to be the one. So now we jump to Genesis chapter 22 because the story goes on. Story of the true church of God. Always keep it in mind. The true body of witnesses. That God had chosen and not man. And Genesis chapter 22, we go to verses 14 and 18, and this is what we read. And Abraham, verse 14, chapter 22, called the name of the place the Lord will provide. In other words, this is the chapter of the sacrifice of Isaac. In his heart and mind, Abraham did sacrifice Isaac, and that was exactly, exactly what God himself was going to do later on, sacrifice his own son. And Abraham was enacting that, and later on he understood what it means. And so when, at this point, he made this statement, Abraham, because God saw that Abraham was totally obedient, and God himself swore by himself that he's going to bless him. And so Abraham, it says, Call the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And he was saying something very profound that most people in, in the community of Judah never understood. He was prophesying of the coming event that is going to duplicate exactly what he was doing. Only at that point God was going to go all the way. Abraham was just supposed to sacrifice his son in his heart and in his mind. And he went through the action until the last moment when God says, No, you don't need to go all the way. Because now I know that whatever I tell you, you will do. So you pass the ultimate test. And we must all go through the same. That's why we are told in Romans chapter 12, and among many other places, as Christ told us that in many places. In Romans 12 we read, Present your body, your mind, your spirit, your possessions, everything that you have and you are, a living, not a dead one, a living sacrifice. And Isaac was being presented as a living sacrifice. God did not require his death. 
He never intended for man to sacrifice another man. That's blasphemy and an abomination to God. But he just wanted to know, would Abraham be willing to go all the way? And Abraham did. That's why he's called a friend of God. That's why God through him is doing this awesome and majestic and magnificent uh, greater thing than anything else that even God himself could do. The reproduction of himself through the sons of Abraham. And the marrying of the children of Abraham as a wife, as an eternal bride forever. That's why they are the true church. In spite of them in between. But God is going to heal them and cleanse them, as later on you read. Christ is going to wash and cleanse and purify his bride. And some people think, well, that's talking only about what they think is the church. Not having full knowledge and understanding. As we go through and we reach the end, you'll see it very clearly. And the true light of the message of the good tidings you know, will come much more brightly. And you have a greater understanding instead of the mixture of truth and error that we've been swallowing all these thousands of, or two thousand years. And so we read in uh, verse 15, Then the angel of the Lord, in specific, this was the one that became Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham the second time out of heaven and said, the angel said, by myself, not by God, but by myself, I have sworn. You see, says the Lord, and he's speaking about his father, because the father is going to sacrifice his son in the future. Because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants, as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of the enemies. So he's expanding constantly uh, the future of Abraham and the promises. And in your seed, all, not some, all nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. That's how grace comes. When we obey the law of God, then God imputes grace to our sins and iniquities and forgives them. Not when we are rebellious and we say, God, we love you, we want your grace, but we hate your law. That's it, very plainly. Because you obeyed my voice, that I will give you all these things. That's how grace is imputed. And people who come from the Babylonish mold don't know any better. And they mix one with the other. And so Abraham returned with this young man to his hometown, Beersheba. And it was in Beersheba. And you see the way God uh, does his work. Just as Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, so the father, the one that became the father later on, was going to sacrifice his own son. Because somebody had to pay the penalty of sin for all. Because the, the, the soul that sins, it shall die. That's what God says to Ezekiel twice. In other words, if we sin and all of us did, we're going to die. The question is, who is going to offer a sacrifice for us? You see, while we were alive, you know, we brought some sacrifices just for ritualistic purposes to God to show uh, that we acknowledge our sin and God forgive us. But that didn't cleanse our conscience. We continue to do it. And ultimately, ultimately, when we die, who's going to pay the penalty for us? Because we sin. Many of us sin to the day we die. We're going to pay. Only God himself that created us, whose life is worth more than all of us put together, can do it. And that's exactly what he did. And that was a part of the, of the knowledge of the body of witnesses of Jesus Christ. 
Oh, the God of Israel. Oh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's why at the end of the book you're reading that the people of God, the true church of God, that is the body of witnesses, are the ones that have, that obey the commandments of God and have his testimony. Knowing all this knowledge and understanding. And one of these days God says, all are going to know it, from the greatest to the least. There isn't going to be any, any more Babylon, no more confusion in the mind or the heart of the people of Israel, the people of Judah, the people of anyone on the face of the earth. And uh, so that was a promise. God was going to irrevocably promise and give what he said he will to his people Israel. As you read in, uh, in Romans uh, chapter 11, verses 25 to 33. Uh, Paul is talking a lot about the children of Israel and the gifts and the promises in Abraham. And he says the gifts of God... Uh, who does not change, are irrevocable without repentance. The covenant that God gave Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all their generations day after day to this very day are irrevocable. There is no such a thing as a replacement theology. You see, God never rejected his people, never exchanged one for the other, and God always is true to his word. As Paul said, and I shall repeat it again, let God be true and every man a liar. And there are an awful lot of liars out there. That's why Christ said, many shall come in my name, pretending to be preachers of righteousness, ministers of Christ, and shall deceive many. And they do it to this very day. And some of us in our midst have fallen for that. Some all the way, some partly. And they still maintain a measure of righteousness. And that makes them feel good. And they think, well, we are the people of God. We're doing some things that are good. Then we go to uh, Genesis 26 and verses 2 and 5. And we continue the story here. And in 26 verses uh, 2 and 5, where we read, Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt and uh, live in the land which I shall tell you. Now, we're talking now about the son of Abraham, Isaac. Because Isaac, like Abraham, experienced famine in the land. You know, somehow this uh, famine repeats itself in the days of Abraham, in the days of Isaac, and the days of Jacob. In the days of Jacob, God says, go to Egypt. In the days of Abraham, he went on his own. In the days of Isaac, God says, don't go down to Egypt. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Because in verse uh, 26 and verse 1, you know, you read, there was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So there is a repetition there. And uh, who is responsible for famines? Obviously God is. And he has uh, something in mind here. And he says in verse 3, Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you for to you and your descendants. Not only some of them, not only for a while. I will give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And he swore by his name. And he's not going to repent. And yet a lot of people... Without realizing it, are calling God a liar when they believe in the dispensationalism or the replacement theology. And many in our midst are saying that. Well, we're the people of God and we love them, we're a part of them, we want them to repent. But when Christ died, that's it, you know, he got rid of them. Now he's got a new woman. And that is not biblical. And so we continue. In uh, verse 24. Verse 24 we read, And the Lord appeared to him, the same night, and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. So now he is a new name in terms of Abraham. But now that Isaac is in existence, he becomes also the God of Isaac. 
I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear. I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So there is a repetition there. God never changes. Never did, never will. And then we go to uh, Genesis 27 and verse uh, 27, verses 27 and 29. And we read here, in essence, a story of deception. Unfortunately, there was no need for it. You know, the story of Jacob, when he wanted to deceive his father so he can get the blessing instead of his older brother uh, Esau, and he didn't have to do it because God already promised it, made it very plain to Rebekah, that is going to bless uh, Jacob, the younger, is going to rule over the older, and there was no need to do it. But somehow, uh, lack of faith on her part, and lack of faith on the part of Isaac, who passed it on to Jacob, we don't know what happened in between, that means he was passing it to Isaac, had, you know, I'm sorry, to uh, Esau, and uh, instead of giving it directly to uh, to Jacob, because God decided that. In other, in other words, it's not just because you were given something, you cannot pass it on to others, uh, just because it is yours or in your possession now. And that's a story and a lesson for the people who live in Israel today. I think that just because God gave them the land that said, this land is mine, God gave it to me, I cannot give it in exchange for peace. There's no such a thing. God gave them the land and only to them and not to anybody else. And if they trusted in God and waited on God and looked to God, he would have dealt with the problem long, long time ago, but they're not willing to. So they're paying the penalty for it and dying for it, and bleeding for it, until God himself will come down and settle the score, so to speak. And so here Isaac was going to pass something that God gave him through Abraham to the wrong person. And his descendants today are doing exactly the same to the same descendants of the wrong person. And some of them who are there are Palestinians, and others among them, they are children of Esau, children of Amalek, you know, who was a son of Esau. And... Uh, God says, you don't do that. That's my land. Not your land. Your sojourn is with me, as he told Israel. It's my land. It's not yours. You know, you're just strangers with me. So it's, it's not up to us to give it to somebody else. You know, you don't give that which is not yours to somebody else. And so Isaac was going to do just that, unfortunately. And it created problems and animosity between these two brothers. That continues to this very moment. And so in verse 27, as Jacob comes to him, deceitfully, trying to get the blessing, which he didn't have to, because God promised it to him anyway, and he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing, and blessed him, and said, because he wore the clothing of Isaac to deceive his father, uh, clothing of uh, Esau, that is, to deceive his father Isaac. And Isaac said to Jacob, his son, surely the smell of my son, thinking that it is Esau, is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed, therefore may God, not me, and that's what is a little bit of a problem here. Well, how come Isaac didn't know to whom God gave it? Well, God allows his servants to make mistakes. But God is an absolute charge, and even the mistake turns into righteousness, because God can do the impossible. And so he says, therefore, God, may God give you of the dew of heaven, and of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain, and wine, and let people serve you. And, and nations bow down to you. They've been doing it ever since. Be master over your brethren. Unfortunately, the children of Israel don't know who they are. And so they don't understand this when they read it. And he said, Be master over your, your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. And they think, well, that's applicable only to the Jews. 
No, that's applicable to all the children of Israel. All the tribes of Israel who are spread now worldwide, and most of them are concentrated in, in Europe, northwestern Europe, and uh, many of them came to the British Isles from there to the New World, America, the New Zealand, Australia, and all that. These are all children of Israel, but they don't know it. And all nations of the earth bow down to them in many ways. And this is what happened. But, unfortunately, uh, uh, something bad uh, happened in the process where Isaac was given to the wrong person and that created animosity between Jacob and Esau and a lot of bloodshed that could have been prevented to begin with had people like Abraham, uh, but even Abraham made a little mistake there with Ishmael, and uh, had they obeyed him all the way. That's why I said earlier about Noah was a very unique person. Whatever God told him, he did. Whatever Moses was told by God, God did. So, these were very unique men. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, they, even they made their little mistake here and there. Noah did his mistake, Abraham did, I mean, Abraham did his mistake, and Isaac did, and Jacob did, and, uh, and uh, later on, uh, you know, other people did. And so they paid for it. And, you know, God is still merciful and graceful. Just because of that, he's not going to reject us, and he's not about to reject Israel, who are going to commit horrible, horrible things, and still do to this very day. Nevertheless, he swore that he will never change. But his promises and covenants will be to all generations of the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who became Israel. And so it's important to realize that. So the blessing now is being passed on to, uh, to Jacob, and our God becomes also the God of Jacob. And later on we are going to see confirmation of it. Let's go to Genesis 28, where uh, uh, Jacob now is, is fleeing from... Uh, from his brother, that is, his, his mother tells him, well, better get out of here because he's going to kill you. And then first we read in, in uh, ch chapter 28, verses 3 and 4, where uh, Isaac is blessing him before he sends him to, uh, to his brother, that is, to his family in Aram, to Laban. Verse 3, we read where Isaac tells him, May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of people. You see, many nations, and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger. See, Abraham is a stranger in it, Isaac is, Jacob is, their descendants are, until God brings them back out of Egypt. And that's what God is saying. And when he told Abraham, you're going to be strangers in the land, and this whole period of time is going to be about 400 years, that included being the land of Canaan, and which God, you know, that land God gave to Abraham. And uh, then uh, Jacob went away. And later on, we read about uh, the dream, the famous dream of uh, Jacob in uh, verse 15. Verse, uh, actually, verse, 13, verse 12. Uh, Jacob uh, dreams, and he sees a ladder you know, in his sleep, going all the way up to heaven, angels of God going up and down. At the top, he sees God standing. And, and uh, verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, now two names, and the land on which you lie will give, I will give to you, and he's speaking about the entirety of the land, not as some foolish people said, well, he was talking only about, only about the tiny little plot that he was sleeping on, which is, you know, complete foolishness. This is the land that you lie upon, and speaking about the whole land I will give to you and to your descendants. Uh, Verse 14, also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, 
and to the north and to the south. And that's exactly where all the children of Israel are now. All over the land and all over, all over the earth. And God gave them much more than they realized. They think it's only a tiny little land of Canaan. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In verse 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. That means when you are in this land, when you go to Syria now to Laban, when you come back, when you go to Egypt, when the Torah send you into captivity, to all the four corners of the earth, wherever you are, in spite of all of your problems, and Israel is going to have an awful lot of problems in the future, God says, I will always be with you. Never replace you. Never reject you. And that's important to remember throughout this whole study. Because an awful lot of lies have been taught about the true people of God. The body of witnesses. And unfortunately, yes, they will not always good witnesses, but they are still nevertheless witnesses. And they will be in the future in its entirety. And so he said, I will always be with you. And so, again, verse 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you for wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, even the one I send you, in this case only to Syria, when you come back, but wherever you go into captivity, I will always bring you back. And all the words of the prophets and later on, the disciples of Christ made it very plain. All of Israel, as Paul said, all of Israel shall be saved. Why? Because of his promises. Because they are the people of God. Because they are the true church of God and the only true church of God. And the few others, few others, not many, not billions, not millions, not many nations, but few others that God grafted from other nations, which he had done to begin with, with the days of Abraham, his own household. They were not of his own body. And then later on, when Israel was brought out of Egypt, God allowed a lot of strangers to come with them, and they integrated, and God said, one law shall be for you and the stranger among you. You know, you are in the land, you give them land. You, you know, you, you obey the same law. So God always allowed this grafting. It was nothing, nothing new in the New Testament. Well, God allowed, you know, many other nations, called Gentiles, you know, nations, that's all it means, to be grafted. And it's not, I'm not talking about nations grafted, but individuals among them. God always allowed individuals. But as a family, as a people, as a physical descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, it was only one nation, one people, one bride, one church. And two of them, or three or many. And so that's what he says. I will not leave you until, until I have done what I have spoken to you. And that's coming in the future. That's why the new covenant is with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not the nations of the earth. And people don't know that. Because they are part of the Babylonian system. Far more than they realize. And then, it says, Jacob arose from his sleep. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not even realize it. And so, we continue now with uh, verse, let's see, we read verse 15, yes we did. So we continue now with the covenant in chapter 31. And that is very important to realize that, that the covenant with Abraham is a covenant with Isaac, and the covenant with Isaac is the covenant with Jacob, and the covenant with Jacob is the covenant with every generation of Jacob. You can't spiritualize that. God never did. Oh yes, he called people uh, that have received the Spirit now spiritual Israel, because they're supposed to be spiritual anyway to begin with, but they were rebellious. 
And he's calling there the Jew also spiritual Jew, beyond the flesh, because he wanted them also to have the spirit. You see, that doesn't mean that from now on, well, let's forget all about the Jews and all about uh, Israel and uh, I'm going to get me somebody else. No, he called some others to, as he said through Moses, just, just to make you jealous so you would come back to your own, uh, your own God. And that's exactly what's going to happen in the future. And so, in chapter 31 of Genesis, we read in verse 11. At this point, we know the story that Jacob went to Laban and he prospered there very well. Laban wasn't too nice to him. He was persecuted him. As God told Abraham, your, your descendants are going to be strangers in the land. They are going to be persecuting them. And that meant many, besides the ultimate in Egypt. And so, in verse 11, as he's ready to flee, and this is what we read, flee from his father-in-law. Verse 11, this is what Jacob is telling his wives when he's preparing them to, to flee from their father. He says, then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream. Now, notice the language. The angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, here I am. And the reason why I'm emphasizing that, because this term, the angel of the Lord, was repeated many times throughout the Bible, and in many cases, Right within the, the same context, God makes it very plain who that angel is. Sometimes he didn't. But in, most, in many cases, he made a very specific uh, knowledge understood that is to be understood by those who were reading it. That is the wise, not the fools, but the wise. Now, this angel of the Lord is not just any angel. That was the one that became the rock of Israel, the God of Israel, that married Israel, that came in the flesh and died for Israel, for his bride, so that he can make her without spot and without blemishes. And that's what the disciples were talking about, and few understood what they were talking about. As Peter was saying about, and in some of the writings of the, our beloved uh, Paul, brother Paul, are a little bit hard to be understood. By whom? He said, those who have no understanding. I'm not talking about his own people, the people of Judah. No. He said, the people who have no understanding, they wrestle with those scriptures to their own destruction. And that's how the new religion came about, called Christianity out of blindness and ignorance, and paganism mixed with it. And so, this is what Jacob says, that the angel of the Lord God, the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, here I am. And since we have reached now the end of the tape, I'll say greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible study. You have questions? The Bible has answers.